Hello and welcome to the Carrier Conversations podcast. I'm Andy Barr, founder of Barr Transportation, and we are so glad you decided to tune in today. At Barr Transportation, we are the premier transportation brokerage that focuses on over-the-road or LTL food and beverage transportation, operating in Canada and U.S. Now, whether you are a company driver, owner-operator, or an owner of a small, medium, or mega-sized carrier, this podcast is for you. We'll cover how to run a profitable carrier, how to recruit the best drivers and keep them, and so, so much more. Lastly, at the end of each episode, make sure to stick around because we'll share with you how you can apply to be on the podcast yourself. Interviews are about 15 minutes long, and I'll leave you with my favorite quote, preparation plus opportunity equals success. That's all for now. Keep those wheels turning, and I'll see you on the inside. All right, so today we have Billy Barstow with us. Billy, thank you for for joining the Carrier Conversations podcast. We are very excited to have you today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So, you know, this is a brand new podcast we just came out with. You are our third episode. And, uh, you know, you know, Billy, you know, you know, not trying to brown nose you. We, we love you guys. You guys are super dependable, super reliable uh and and really just do a fantastic job for us so you know as we kind of kick this off billy kind of give us a background of how you got into transportation and when you started barstow and and kind of just a little a little look back at history well i started uh trucking well i guess i was kind of born into it because my grandfather was a, a trucker and my uncle was a trucker and i always looked up to him unfortunately my grandfather was out of Ohio going over to Hunts Point and he passed away on the docks there in Hunts Point uh, with a brain aneurysm. Um, not to bring everybody down, but and then my uncle, who I looked up to very much, um, was driving truck and I don't know, I was just fascinated with it. And so I, when I got older, I joined the military. I was in the army and I went overseas and I was a combat engineer. Well, they, I was supposed to run heavy equipment, which I did. Bulldozers, backhoes, forklifts, five-yard loaders, mm-hmm. just about anything you could think of. And they pointed me out. I was going to be a bulldozer operator. And they said, here's your bulldozer, and there's your flatbed to pull it with. No training, nothing. Just get in a truck and pull your bulldozer. <laughs> so that's wow. what I did. They, I, they didn't even tell you this is yeah. how you back up a, a flatbed or RGN. They just said, here, just go <laughs> trial and error. Not really. I'm not really. I mean, there's other yeah. people around doing it. You know, if I had any questions, there were tips from other drivers and stuff. But no, there was no training. There was training on the bulldozer, but not on the truck. It was a, oh. kind of some surprise. So me, love, you know, liking trucking so much that I couldn't get away from it. It just jumped on me wherever I went. Very good. Very good. Okay. And then from there, you know, you hauled some hanging meat and and you found her working. You found your way working with UJP. Tell us about that. Okay, yeah. Uh, when I first got out of the military, I went to a company called Beef, which you mentioned, uh, Swinging Beef. I used to pick up and haul into Brooklyn, New York. Which, if anybody knows about trucking or swinging beef, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. It was all the weights from the roof. Uh, worked there for a while. Then I went to a, a like a U.S. Foods. It was called Bisu Wholesale back in the day. And I was delivering into Uncle John's Smoked Sausage, picking up their product for in the uh, direct store delivery and got 
uh, to be friends with the manager there. And then one day he asked me to come and manage his trucking company he was starting out with. He had two trucks and he wanted to start out a trucking company. I got over there and when I left, there was 13 trucks running LTL. Nice. Nice. Okay. And so you, you were, you, you were with UJP for a while and then you're like, you know, what, 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 you know, there's a big mental shift, right. From being an employee and being a business owner. So what, how did that shift happen? Like, you know, it's courage, you have to be prepared. You know, it's not for everybody to be an entrepreneur, right? So how did you and why did you shift from being an employee, working at a, sounds like a great company, to going off on your own, taking a risk and starting a trucking company? Well, when I first started UJP, I was told that if I got it going, I would, they would make me a partner. That was uh, the owner, not, not the gentleman I do bills with. And, and so I'd get to a certain number and they'd make me, part ownership. Well, I got to that number and he said, uh, well, this is my company. I'm not giving you anything. So he said, I'll pay you a good salary, but I'm not giving you anything. Well, I, that, that wasn't my goal. My goal was to have my own. So I said, thank you very much. And I walked out the door. Okay. Okay. Six so you, <laughs> And six months later, you had a trucking company. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. well, yeah, no, that's that. And, you know, if you've got the experience in the transportation you, and you enjoyed it, uh, you know, that makes sense. It's a good it's a good match because you don't want to just start a company. It's always going to start a company that you actually have experience in and interest. Right. Because you can you can draw from your previous experience. Uh, well, I was I was young then, too. And um, my uh, father-in-law jumped in and told me, basically, you go get a truck and I'll finance it for you which helped me because I didn't have a lot of experience in as being an owner operator and banks don't give loans to trucking companies. So he helped me. He's probably the biggest reason I started my own business because my father-in-law took care of me. Okay. Okay. Nice. Nice. Well, you know, it's always helpful to have some help when you're starting out. And, um, of course, you know, everyone, everyone needs help. Uh, the, the first question we want to look at today is, you know, let's say, you know, you're one of the trucking companies that's lucky enough to bring in a new driver. You know, there's all these drivers out there, but but it's, it's hard to have them come work for you, right? Even if you're a really solid company, there's just so much competition for the drivers. Uh, you know, there's incentives to, to leave and go to another company because of the bonuses. Uh, you know, what what is uh, a few little key takeaways that a a person that maybe they've got three trucks, five trucks, and they're trying to grow to 25 or 30 trucks, you know, they're trying to grow it to uh, a more substantial size. How do you keep the good drivers? Well, first of all, you got to get a relationship with them. You got to, and I don't, I say you got to be friends with them. I'm not, I really am. Uh, yeah. I communicate with all my drivers. I know what all the drivers want. I know what all the drivers need. I know how they want to run. I know, uh, where they want to run and I listen to them. They tell me something, I'll, I'll make it happen. I uh, give them the opportunity to come home anytime they want to. They can go out for three days and if they need to be home, I won't even ask a question, I'll bring them home. You know, if that becomes like every day he does that, then the truck ain't make any money, then we will sit down and talk, which has never happened. Um, most of the guys, you got a good drivers, they, they want to run and make, they want to make money. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you don't, you don't have to tell them you got to stay out 14 days. You got to stay out 21 days. You don't have to tell them that they do what they want to, they do what they need to do and what they want to do. 
every drivers have different needs. Some people have, some of the drivers have, have young kids. You want to be home for weekends for baseball games and stuff. So I'm going to make that happen. Some drivers want to live in the truck and run over the place and make a ton of money. I don't have a problem with that, but you just got to have that friendship, that communication. They're not a number. They're not a, they're not money. You, you can't look at them as money. Uh, like, oh, this driver's got to make me this much money. I don't think that's what you got to do. I think you've got to get a, like I said, a relationship and what the driver needs and what you need. And you end up getting them to stay. I got one driver that's been with me for over 20 years. Well, you know, that makes sense, right? Because business is done with, with people. I mean, of course, there's in the business to business world, B2B versus B2C, you know, you've got, you know, you, it's, it's all about people, you know, people remember, you know, how you have, how you make them feel and how you have made them feel the last time you interacted with them. And it's, and, and, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Well, and also you gotta, if they have a problem on the road, you got a broker griping or something like that. I always try to take the driver's side of the story because, you know, take what's going on with them what the process was, why he's running late or something like that. So I'll usually take, you know, I'll, I'll stand behind my drivers and they, they, they appreciate that because, you know, some people was worried about the customer, the customer, the customer is second to my drivers. I just, that's just the way it is. Uh, I get some grief from it or from my customers sometimes, but that's the way I'm going to, you know, keep it that way. Yeah, no, you bring up a good point, right? You have, we want to take care of your internal team first before you go outside. Of course, you want to take care of customers and brokers and things of that nature, but you got to make sure your internal company is solid first, right? So that makes uh, right. that makes sense. Um, now, with rates, you know, as high as they are now, one would think, man, I can pay a driver a lot of money and I can just, you know, grow my driver uh, roster quickly because I can, I can come out and just say, Hey, you know, we can, we can pay more rates are up. I mean, when rates are down, I assume you can pay less or you, you have to pay less. So tell, talk to, talk to us about that a little bit. Well, I, I never take pay away. I don't care what happens. I will never say you're not making, I'm bringing your percentage down or your mileage down. I'll never do that. If I make it, you know, we get your rates where you want to be and you're comfortable then we better continue to work hard, make it happen, because I will never tell a driver that he has to cut his pay. Never. Um, you know, the rates are up right now, and you have to make decisions based on that. So you want to bring your drivers up because you got other companies promising crazy numbers, crazy numbers, numbers that I know that can't be maintained for a long time. You know, they get the driver over there, then, you know, the driver finds out that there's, you know, things behind their numbers to say. Mm -hmm. So they usually come back to me or, you know, so you got to raise your rates and you got to be smart and just trying to figure out the economy uh, and trucking economy. It's different from the world economy. Definitely. Um, you know, just like it's the rates are up now and I don't look for them, but they're going down just because of the shortage of, of, trucks and drivers and i don't think it's going to get better i think it's going to get worse so you know yeah once we're getting paid what we Probably. deserve right right no no i mean you guys are in a very good position now and i i, I think you'll remain in that position for quite some time for a number of years uh if not you know like you said it might just always go up from here it's 
the the covid the supply and demand it's it's all through through a, a huge wrench into it and um no one has the answers right now so it's it's a crazy time but it's good for you guys it, it is good right because you have the higher rates and like you said now you're getting paid what you deserve so um it's, it's a good time to be a carrier as we look at the second item here um efficiency right so whether you have two trucks, 20 trucks, or 200 trucks, you always want to be as efficient as possible, right? Limit downtime, limit break, limit uh, breakdowns, just limit, you know, of course, like you said, treat your drivers as partners and as people, uh, but also you want that truck going, right? Because that's how the business runs. So how do you, well, how do you do that as far as like maintenance goes and also any other factors? Go ahead, Billy. Well, trucking is, 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 is a, everyday school every time you sit down in your office desk and you start doing things together you learn stuff and you learn trends and you i mean one thing i can tell you uh when i first started out trucking of course i had my own truck i ran it then i bought a second truck and a third truck i got up to like five trucks then i came out of the, the driving seat and started being a dispatcher and, and getting freight and stuff um and then you know i grew and grew and grew and now we're up to 22 trucks um because you learn stuff now you're trying to follow the question a little bit we've learned what i was going to is what we've learned is we used to lease our trucks in five-year lease programs well after studying that after the fourth year of a truck the maintenance goes up immensely so we cut our leases mm. down from five years to four years so when the trucks start giving us problems uh, we get rid of them and replacing them new trucks. Now, when we buy trucks, we buy the, the biggest warranty we could possibly get. Um, and we buy all the same brand. I have all Peterbilt's, I have one Volvo. I'll explain that here in a second. But, uh, so you get a relationship with, I rush Peterbilt and I'm a priority customer. So if my stuff breaks down and I'm near rush Peterbilt, when I go in, I get priority. Mm -hmm. um, and, with the newer trucks, most of the breakdowns are simple. You know, a sensor or something like that, usually not a motor or transmission and stuff like that within the four years. So we cut out all the older equipment. That being said, I've had, a, I got a truck that's been on the road for four and a half, four and three quarters a year. This is the last trucks we did on the five year plan and it's been broke down in Cleveland for two weeks now. You know, oh. they, it's just been a nightmare. Um, but we don't usually have that because our trucks are rotated every four years. And there's, like I said, a huge difference. If you're in a truck, you buy a truck, the fourth year to the fifth year is way, it's that one year you'll do three times as you did just the whole, the whole time before you have a maintenance program, you make sure you do, uh, you know, maintenance at the proper time, fuel filters, you know, you want to keep that done every, and I sure. usually go about every step thousand miles on fuel filters and uh with the you know the regular maintenance i got twenty five thousand, which is what peterbilt suggests and when it's there well i don't care where we're at we have a contract with loves we'll put it in there and they'll take care of it you know due to the services and stuff i also have two local mechanics here are both really inexpensive compared to being out on the road and they get my equipment all the time. I even got one who comes, picks up my trucks and take it back to their shop, then brings it back here to the yard. Uh, and their work is really good. And I really appreciate them. So Billy, would you say that 
in an ideal world, you would have a three-year lease, and then after three years, you get a new truck? Well, we've gone to four, and that seems to be doing pretty good. Uh, anything longer than that is, yeah, is not good. We've gone to four. We've talked about three, but we're lucky right now because there's no trucks out there, and if we went to three, we'd have some trucks uh, turned in and no new trucks to run. So I guess it was good timing the four because it gives us the next year. You know, we got equipment ordered from Peterbilt and it's just not, I got one truck last December, I think, you know, I got, I had four on order. I got one and they're still talking about maybe another year before I get the other ones. Man. Okay. So like everything else, everything's back ordered and you just got to wait. So it's, you got to get the orders oh, in I soon. Yeah, they're Peterbilt's just waiting for some sensors that they didn't they don't do it themselves and someone else builds it and they're on the back order. So you got entire you go to any Peterbilt, you know, manufacturer and there's millions of trucks, literally not million, but there's thousands of trucks sitting out there just waiting for that one part before they can deliver it. Sure. It's sad. Yeah. But that, that's what we've done in our society is we've relied on other people instead of doing it ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Overseas production has really hurt us as we've all seen in 2021 um, and 2020 as well. You know, you know, right. we, we kind of talk about trucks, Billy, and that kind of brings you to, I don't want to go too off tangent here, but just, um, you know, Kenilworth, Peterbilt, Volvo, you know, pros and cons, which one's the Mercedes, which one's the Honda Civic, you know, how does that all shape up? Well, I've always been a Peterbilt guy because Peterbilt was the Cadillac of trucks. I mean, you know, uh, a 389, you know, when you've seen it come by, everyone just stopped and looked at it. And to me, it has the, the biggest name. But I'm learning that Volvo is uh, really stepped up their game. And uh, I'm looking at some of those for, you know, on, you know, rest of the, you know, when I'm business. We bought three Peterbilts and one Volvo over a year ago. And the only truck has not been in the shop has been the Volvo. Okay. That, well, you know, Volvo's known for safety, right? That's for for cars. So, I don't know if that translates to a you know very durable truck. Well, maintenance wise, it seems to be uh, you had done business with Fidel, and he he was Fidel's been with me for a very long time, and and I told him to go pick a truck out, and I sent him to the Peterbilt dealer, and he drove by and went to the Volvo dealer because that's what he wanted. So that's my one Volvo, but that's what I do. <laughs> my car my yeah. drivers who, who've been a long time, I let them go pick out their truck. Yeah, yeah. No, Fidel does a great job. So, um, yeah, if he's your 20-year vet, yeah, I, I don't know if the prices are similar, but if they're similar, then, you know, sure, you get you give your your tenured guy the the, the star. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I pack all my trucks down. I buy them, I get them everything they need inside. It ain't no – I don't have any uh, – stripped down versions of trucks out there they all have everything you could possibly think of you know refrigerators microwaves and stuff in their truck they, they have that and uh you know they're nice pretty trucks they ain't just old white ones and stuff i get colors and you know that's another thing about keeping drivers is man their equipment most of your good drivers they take pride in their equipment you know i go out to one of my trucks and there's all kinds of new chrome on it and i'm like you know they don't ask for any money for it. They want it in their truck. They just said, we're going to stay here. I want a nice look at truck. So it's kind of nice, you know, for a driver to have nice equipment. So that's another thing we do to keep drivers. 
Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. You got to, you know, for athletes, you got to look good to play good. Well, for drivers, you got to be in a, a nice truck and be comfortable to drive well. Right. I mean, you want to, you're going to be on, on the road in that truck for an immense amount of time. So you better be comfortable. Right. So that is yeah. correct. That is correct. Okay. Now the golden question everyone's talking about how to find the best paying freight. Well, I think what you do is you, uh, you, when you do get loads of certain people or some people, new people, whatever, you just make it sure you do your job. You do what you tell them to do. You make it sure your drivers are, are um, you know, on the ball. And if they ain't on the ball, then you have to look at them. So what I've done is I've done some freight for, you know, different, and they just love us because we're, you know, we do what we're supposed to. And I guess out there in the world, I don't know. I can't talk about anybody else, but they don't get what they're looking for. But they know when they put a load on my truck, they, you know, that it's going to get done unless something's unforeseen. But, and then you build that customer relationship. Uh, you know, then they start asking for all your trucks. And then they start paying you more to keep your trucks because they know if they go online and get some other truck, you know, they might not get what they're looking for. And brokers are like, you know, truckers, they want to be reliable. So if you book my truck and your customer, the broker's customer is taken care of, then the broker's customer is going to give them more freight and then it's going to be passed on to you. So, yeah, I got brokers who pay me more money than by far by average because they know on my trucks it's going to get done. And that, that makes a tremendous amount of difference and, and sense because, you know, Bill, I, I know, you know, carriers uh, that, you know, are geographically close to you, 10 times your size, but 20% as reliable as you are. 20%, like not even close. So, yeah, every 10 trucks you've got a truck mess not your load, that's going to kill your, your customer ain't going to be happy with that at all. So Exactly. So how, what do you do? What, what, what are some golden nuggets operationally wise? Like if you've got, you know, 10 loads leaving on one day, do you out of the same city or within 50 miles, right. Of your hometown, you know, do you keep one extra truck just in case one of the trucks goes sideways, you can switch trucks around or what, you know, what do you do to, to have such great reliability? I don't keep an extra truck. Uh, most of the time, my my drivers coming in, going out. Um, there's a there's another truck or another driver. I will call them, say, hey, uh, buddies. One other day, I had a load, yeah, got messed up, and it had to go a day before. My buddy was off. I thought, hey, buddy, can you do this load? You don't have to do it, but can you do it? And ninety percent of the time, my drivers say yes, they do it. So, and we do have one truck that runs around here, and uh, if it ain't Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday that truck's sitting here too. And usually I have one truck, maybe I don't keep it that way, but I'm short drivers right now. I have two or three trucks empty. So there's a truck to jump into them. So yeah, we do what we can to make the customer happy with the loads. Okay. So basically, like you said, it comes down to just having flexible drivers. They're, they're not forced to take that new load last minute, but a lot of times they do just because hopefully it's paying enough. Like you said, that it's it's worth it you know it's it's more than the market because the brokers are giving you the extra pay for it um and they know it's a good load and and it's and they they like you so that's why they are, are they treat you well and are flexible with the last minute adjustments 
I have this said to me more than, you know, maybe pat myself on the back, but I have drivers telling me that I'm the boss to ever, best boss to ever work for. So that makes me happy. Um, when I hear that, I cannot be more happier because, you know, you, you get that loyalty. And I have, I'm loyal to them, too. So this back to the driver's relationship. Yeah, yeah. No, really. I mean, like you said, treat people well. Don't overwork them. Listen to them. When they want, when they want home time, give them home time. Uh, don't force dispatch. I mean, it doesn't sound too complicated, right? But for some reason, yeah. it's rare. I just, I guess it's rare because I don't own a trucking company, but it seems like maybe there's a bunch of dispatchers that force dispatch or, you know, they, it just, I don't know how in the world you can actually survive in a uh, carrier world today if you're not going to treat your drivers right because they'll leave you. So, you know, it's just, right. It just, I don't know, you can speak on this, but it just blows my mind that that's not like table stakes, right? Of just treating people well and, and like you said, other carriers are paying a lot more crazy rates right now, but they, you know, a driver or two may leave you and then they figure out, well, it's not actually what they were talking about. And then they come back. So it's, uh, yeah, Billy, you, you got the secret sauce. <laughs> so. Well, it's not perfect by no means. And I don't make as much money as a lot of other people do. Uh, but it's really not my goal. I mean, I want to make money. Don't I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I don't want to make money, but I don't have to be get rich off of everybody. Uh, that I, that's just not the way I see it. Uh, you know, I want to be here for a while, and you know, if I can be level and have about the same income, then that's what we all. That's one other thing I ask for. You know, one thing I I wanted to mention: Barstow Transportation is a family company. My wife has been by my side from day one, uh, starting this company. She's been uh, doing everything, living Barstow Transportation for a long time. Uh, she did work for Lockheed Martin, but she retired from there. Now she's coming back and doing my billing. My daughter, my son-in-law are dispatchers. And then I have my partner, uh, business partner, Rodney, who does all the, the book work and stuff. And I handle the trucks. But we're a small company. We don't have a lot of overhead. So that helps too. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Billy, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you again. And let's say there's a driver out there that heard this and I'm like, you know what? Billy sounds like an all right guy. How does one connect with you? Phone number, email, text. What's best for you? What's that number? Uh, Barstow Transportation is 863-279-4833. That's my desk phone. And if I don't answer, go to my cell phone. And let me give you my cell phone number to 863-661-0329. If you want to come on, you don't have to call me. You can text me and we can set up a conversation and go from there. There you have it, folks. Give Billy a call. You will not regret it. Billy, thanks again. Oh, and what? Yes, sir. Oh, let me interrupt you. Also, I have drivebarstow.com on the internet. Uh, that'll get your application and give you a little bit more information, phone numbers for you. Drivebarstow.com. Drivebarstow.com. Perfect. Perfect. Yep. All right, folks. Thank you, Billy, again. And I'll talk to you on the phone. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All righty. Thank you for listening to today's Carrier Conversation podcast. Brought to you by Bar Transportation. Now, 
If you are a successful driver, dispatcher, or owner of a trucking company, and you believe you have some secret sauce to share and enjoy helping others grow, then look no further. Simply go to bartrans.com, click on carriers, and you'll find the carrier podcast. Now, as you know, topics range the whole spectrum from maintenance to fuel to driver recruiting to something I'm not thinking of. Just absolutely tons to talk about and we'll never run out of topics. Lastly, if you enjoyed the podcast, please like, subscribe, tweet, reshare it with everyone you know. Tell other drivers at Truck Stops about it. Spread the word. As you know, collectively, we can learn a lot together, right? Knowledge is power. That's all for now. Keep those wheels turning. Stay safe. And remember, preparation plus opportunity equals success.